We here at Bob Dummy Who Just Say Stuff want our listeners to have as good a time as is possible on our journey through this nightmare. That being said, we thought it necessary to put a trigger warning here for racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, ageism, xenophobia, violence. This book goes to some weird, uncomfortable places, and we talk about it. Now on to the show. <clears throat> also, I'm sorry I sound super nasally. I have been sick for the past, like, five or six days. I slept probably a combined 28 hours this weekend. That's amazing. <laughs> Honestly. It would sound really good if you weren't sick. I think it's <laughs> probably because I'm vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we it's all know. It's the autism finally setting in. <laughs> Late on. Late onset autism. Late onset respiratory autism. <laughs> I hate that so much. Jay and I got into an argument today about, not like an argument, argument, just debate on, on um, the idea of body language being an actual thing. And I'm like, it's a pseudoscience and it's like not really, it, it ignores a lot of people who are not neurotypical, right? Uh, and people who have many different types of uh like disorders or um, conditions and also just generalized anxiety makes some people do react weirdly with their body language and so but she thinks that it's it's real but that's still a way of reading someone's body though if you're acting a certain way and you can tell someone's anxious because right. they're acting a certain way that's still communication no for sure not not and I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not saying like body language and body signals aren't real i'm saying that the yeah, you can with science prove that someone is lying based on their body language is not a th that's not like you can't you would not you would not be able to use that in court is what i'm saying you know mm -hmm. what i mean that's not like proven i don't well, know. i can tell you i once saw a show called lie to me uh-huh that would say otherwise oh, <laughs> oh never mind <laughs> never mind what's the name of that dude that tim roth right i think so is that the name of that dude never saw that show but that sounds right yeah <laughs> We'll go with it. Look, you know what? Just like Bob Honey does, we will make we our make own our reality. Man, I can't wait till we get into some of this. The, the stuff in the beginning, not the stuff at the last part of the chapter, because stuff at the end part of the chapter is it's just nauseating. Egregious. You're yeah. talking about Station Four. Yeah, Station. God, sorry, 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 Sean Penn. I mean, you know, I gotta say again, first impressions of Station Four. Number one, this is just like pretty bread and butter. This generation and their iPhones, you know, yes. there's just some pretty boomer. pretty standard trademark boomer bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing about this chapter that really was salient to me is that Sean Penn ch is truly a freak on a leash. Yeah. <laughs> if by that you mean a pedophile, then yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this dude is truly a pervert. And, you know, you got to respect the hustle that he has to put this shit out for publishing. That he put this down on a page and he was like, you know what? People will read it. I got a glimpse when I was doing finding clips for, you know, the show um, of Sean Penn. I found an interview with him and he's talking about his writing process, which already strap in and how he just has. He says he has somebody 
He doesn't like to, he has never touched a laptop, he said. He's never used one. Um, he's very proud of that fact. So what he does is he sits there, he got, he puts all these thoughts, and his, all these thoughts come to him and he writes them down. And then he just dictates to somebody while he drinks and dictates this. And that's pr- presumably how he wrote this book and its uh, sequel. I think it was Kimmel. He asked him, hey, uh, so, you know, who do, how do you pick these people? And, you know, do they ever get tired of me? He's like, yeah, basically, I, they just stay there until they get tired of me. And then I move on to someone else. And I just feel really bad for those people that have to, like, listen. Not only, like, we're reading it, right? But they have to listen to him say this stuff with a straight face. And because ah. their paycheck depends on it. Absolutely. It's just some intern. It's like that person who's employed by Google to, like, filter out all of the the things that they, they can't come up on the search engine. You can only have that job for a year, and then it's, you know, too much trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Much like, much like ghostwriting for Sean Penn. Or, I guess, transcribing for Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah. What about you all, your first impressions? I mean, my first impressions were that he's a thesaurus rex. <laughs> <laughs> that I had to look up and you know I, I don't like want to toot my own horn or whatever but like I, I I have an okay vocabulary that doesn't happen to me all the time not half as often as it does when I'm reading this book and I don't think he's using those words correctly in some of the cases oh I'm sure no. he isn't there was a lot of nonsense in this chapter and it was offensive I don't know maybe not more but offensive in a different way yeah Kind of gnaws all, all of the the pet the like kind of sort of pedophilia stuff in the end of it was pretty nauseating. Yeah, didn't like. It. Yeah, don't it, like that. It's more more pedo, less racist. Yeah, you know, so it's just trading out one thing for another. Exactly. It just that's a pretty bold decision for someone dating as someone as young as he does, as like as much as like in his life. You know, like how old is his girlfriend? Twenty seven. I have no idea. Yeah, what? I think. When she's when they started dating, she's twenty four. Vincent D'Onofrio's daughter. Oh, don't like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. I just remember that salient point. Yeah. Ugh. And how old is Sean Penn? I feel like I should know this. Gotta be in his what sixties? Yeah, uh, think- gotta be. That's one thing that I keep thinking about whenever when he keeps talking about the elderly and their flatulence and the fact that they're brandless. Is is he not? How old is he thinking? Like ninety years old? Because Somebody's going to sneak up on Sean Penn with a mallet. <laughs> uh, no way are we saying to do that. Uh... <laughs> We're not endorsing it, but it, I mean, it, again. That's his worldview. Yeah. He's creeping up to the age where he should be taken out too. Yeah. This goes into what we've talked about before. This is not satire. This is him. This, there's so many things in this book are just extensions or, and, or maybe even hyperbolized versions or character traits, we'll say, of his own and his own worldview. And that's why it's kind of like this. It makes it all the more insufferable. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, there again, we've talked about this before, but he's trying to emulate all these famous writers. And so we we know that James Joyce was super into farts. Mm-hmm. So now he's making Bob Honey be super into farts. <laughs> You know, he's just trying to find ways to connect with these incredibly iconic writers we already know. I agree. I had that written down in my notes, which was like, is he trying to be James Joyce? <laughs> well, yeah, just like sucking on other people's farts, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a situation where, you know, I like 
pizza and I like ice cream, but together, you know, not great. Disgusting. And this is that. He's just taking all these things from all these other writers and putting them together. And it's, uh, it's insane. An ice cream? I'd try it. <laughs> you would try pizza on I'd ice cream? until I try it. Hey, that's valid. I just feel oh, like Bob yeah. Hummy like could just get a hairless rat and like jerk off to that, <laughs> and then maybe just get it over with, you know? Just slap a merkin on that hairless rat, and he'd be uh, he'd be living the dream. Yeah, he'd be ripping and rolling. <laughs> now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> In the margin of my notes, I just wrote "groan" because. Um, just I was like starting to write the same comment over and over again during uh-huh. that uh, yes. pedo part, and I just start. I just wrote "groan" because it was just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, well, it was groan kind of making me glaze. Groan is exactly what that girl in the story was not, um, as we will find out. I don't think she would get there with Bob Honey. <laughs> yeah, um, woof. Andrew, I think I texted you this before, but um, your prediction comes true in this uh, particular uh, station. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, there's things that are definitely recurring themes that I've picked up on a lot. Greg was also vindicated in this chapter, too. Hell, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I did not read forward. I was literally, when I said that, I had just read Station 3, and then here we are at Station 4, and it goes deeper. I love it. We didn't introduce ourselves. Should we do that? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) Hello, everyone. This is Bob Dummies Who Just Say Stuff. And we're here bringing you hot takes on Bob Honey Who Just Do Stuff, Sean Penn's magnum opus. I'm Lauren. (laughs) I'm Andrew. Charlotte. And then I am Greg. Dear listener, won't you come with us? Travel into this nightmare headlong. Headstrong, I'll take you on. (laughs) (laughs) Headstrong, I'll take on anyone, including El Chapo. Oh. I've got my Manhattan. I'm ready to dive in. Here, I'm going to take a big swig. Here, the the jingles. All right, so you want to do the first part, Lauren? Sure, I don't care. Whichever way. I'll read it. How do I get back? Okay, I'm sorry. I, again, am an older millennial, so I'm not entirely sure how to use a Kindle. Give me a second, please. That's why I bought <laughs> the physical copy of the book. Mm. I'm sorry. Are are you all sort of invoking Sean Penn right now and Bob Honey? Oh, my God. See, this is the thing. It's like he's got mind worms. What's that one? Brainworms. I'm trying to remember that one sci-fi book where there's a, it's like an Irving Penn book, right? With worms in your brain? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. You guys remember those books? What? <laughs> it's worms in your brain. I think that that's the plot of Animorphs. <laughs> I can tell you, I have, I never read a single goddamn Animorph book. I just looked at the covers. Probably read like fifty of them. I don't know how many there were, but I was really into it. As did a kid. they? Did they have a plot, like a distinct plot, or yeah. 
yeah. if I remember it correctly, it was like aliens who were doing like kind of invasion of the body snatchers kind of shit where they like t- wormed into your brain and then controlled you. And then the Animorphs were like kids, teenagers who could transform into animals and were fighting them. And they learned that power from another, from the good aliens. Oh yeah, that's right. The good, the good species of aliens yeah taught them but they could to... only be animals before for like an hour or two and then they had to transform back into people or they'd be stuck as that animal which happened to one of the characters yeah so that... you guys remember a lot about this <laughs> that sounds like a prequel to the to the lobster honestly oh there you go the lobster <laughs> is the adult animorphs folks this is the content the people want <laughs> all right well on that note Let's get into it. Station four, the Scottsdale program. In the American state of Arizona, Scottsdale Senior Services offers a wide range of fitness, recreation, and leisure opportunities. This and its dry air make Scottsdale one of the preeminent retirement communities in America. Real quick on that. Did anybody actually look? I put it in here to look it up, but I never did. Is that true? Is that a true fact? Scottsdale, Arizona? No. Yeah. I would think so. Sounds great. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. A lot of that, snowbirds. Yeah, I got that, like, dry air. Okay. Yeah. It's like Strip Mall USA, man. Oh. I don't know anything about Arizona, so. <laughs> I would imagine it would be super popular with retirees. They can go to the Olive Garden whenever they want, you know? <laughs> Get a mallet to the head by a possible pedophile. Unlimited bread, soup, and, and pasta, right? And murder. (laughs) Everything you'd want. There is little but coincidence to connect Scottsdale, Arizona, and Papua New Guinea. Scottsdale's dry climate contradicts the clammy cal... What is this word? Calescent? I looked it up. Calescent means increasing in warmth and getting hot. And so what I'm... One note that I made there is that I don't think he's using it correctly. Okay. Because I think it would be like cami calescent, like calescence. Yeah, not like Cami Lessent. So I think that here's here's him using the thesaurus and using it wrong. Master of the English language. All right, there is little but coincidence to the connect to connect Scottsdale, Arizona, and Papua New Guinea. Scottsdale's dry climate contradicts the clammy calicent of New Guinean condensation. It had nonetheless come to the attention of the New Guinean intelligence apparatus, Lootstar in particular, our boy from the last station, that a covert contract of international implementation was in the offing. It was called the Scottsdale Program, named with the nods to both the city of Scottsdale itself and to the Phoenix Program of the early 1970s with which the CIA sought to devastate the military infrastructure of the Viet Cong in South Vietnam through a series of targeted assassinations on its military commanders. So this is something I wrote down about this, um, the Lude Star thing, which I'll always shout Lude Star in the vein of World Star every time it's read. Lauren, you mentioned in the first episode about kind of like this being a like city quiet pills operation and this furthers that theory i think that's like sort of but instead of you know military contract retired military contractors it's uh i guess new guineans um that it's like new guinean mercenaries yeah sure hire and bob honey it seems like such a random country to pick mm-hmm. you Agreed. know 
Like, it's as if he, like, took one of those globes and he just spun it and put his finger down and was like, this is the fake history I'm going to make up. Yeah. You know? And honestly, it doesn't make much sense to me that he would miss an opportunity to talk about Haiti and just use Haiti in this situation because <laughs> my, my guy was never shuts up about it. That's fair. Just to put some distance, make some pretending that Bob Honey isn't him. Ah, uh, yes. He's throwing us off the trail. The Scottsdale Project's origin at the Heritage Foundation was sold on the back of separate studies from the Rand Corp and McKenzie and Company at the behest of the Redon Group public relations firm. <clears throat> what was that? What was that one thing you said? What was that one place after Rand Corp? Mm, McKenzie and Company? Mm. Very confirmed. Yep. John Penn is a proxy for Mayo Pete. You mean Bob Honey is a proxy for Mayor Pete? Bob Honey is a proxy of Sean Penn. Sean Penn is a pro- is a proxy for Mayor Pete. Yes. So Sean Penn. So so Mayor Pete is like the anamorph of Sean Penn. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean Penn's on the cover, and then when you open it up, it morphs back to Mayor Pete. Is that what we're saying? And you have like the, in the little corners of the book, if you flip it really fast, there's the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh. here's a little cartoon of him, them doing the dance <laughs> <laughs> I gotta have my hopes I'm sorry to all of you and the listeners the project was adopted by the NSA, who believed that in an era of globalization, an internationally unbranded generation of seniors threatened to bleed human progress and market development dry. Well, that doesn't seem super wrong to me. Yeah. Well, this is also just Sean Penn just writing his actual thoughts with no filter or mask whatsoever. And again, like, like isn't he that. almost in this generation? Uh-huh. Well, that's another thing, too. He said he's such a, you know, anti-technology dude. But he said also in that one interview that he would wake up in the middle of the night, I'm assuming from dreamless sleep, like Bob Honey does. And he would get out his phone and write down just the thoughts that come to him rapidly into the notes app. And I'm like, you fucking hypocrite. Like, you should get up. And go to your typewriter and start typing it out. You gotta live the life, you know? You can't... What I'm saying is, is that Sean Penn might be lying to us. Oh, for certain. About how old he is? (laughs) Just everything. I know that's a revelation. That's huge. But I think he might be saying some untruths. Don't think we can trust him. I think it's probably more like a portrait of of Darian Gray situation. Dorian Gray? Dorian Gray, yeah. Where, like, Mayor yeah. Pete has a portrait of Sean Penn that's just, like, aging in an attic. <laughs> you know? He's actually a thousand years old. That's where he gets his uh, <laughs> his spunk from on the debate stage. Yeah, it's where he gets his spizzerinctum from. Yeah. That's a word that I think doesn't exist in real life. It is. Yeah. Neutralizing pushback against the program from the pharmaceutical lobby where those in the EPA's covert section, whose data concluded that the extermination of the high flatulence populations, and uh, there is a citation here, I think he means the elderly. 
if he's all high flatulence people, then I'm fucking toast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stop eating beans right now. It, even if I don't eat beans, man, he's still coming for me. I can't stop. <laughs> whose data concluded that the extermination of high flatulence populations would lower levels of ozone-depleting methane. Okay, I have so many things to say here. (laughs) So many. So the first thing I have to say, in the next sentence, he talks about how it's going to be a boon in the industry and there's uh, atmospheric real estate... Bob Honey is finally in the real estate business. Oh, my God. Number one. We got another business. Atmospheric real estate. Number two, I did want to ask you, Andrew, is this something that could potentially work? What are your thoughts about that? Is, is, well, there, any, is there any situation in which this would work scientifically? I guess I guess, but I, I have thoughts kind of on three, three ways about this. Um, so the first off is... I mean, the main problem with methane isn't ozone depletion. It's, it's a greenhouse gas. It's way more potent. And, you know, of course, we could take care of that, you know, by eating less meat and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, killing old people. Or, you know, who admits a lot more than all of those people is Sean Penn. Hey. Being, do the uh, classic Republican talking point there. <laughs> um, but that's true. I mean, he admits more, way more than these people ever would. Mm-hmm. Sean, Sean Penn's emissions. Are you just saying that because Sean Penn is farting into his hands and then typing his farts into this book that's Bob Bunny would just do stuff? I was talking more about air travel to Haiti, well, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <you> know. <laughs> Sean Penn's farts are actually uh, fueling planes all over the world. Absolutely. And that's uh, why he's an ecological disaster. I thought I thought you were going to say because Sean Penn, it, you know, he, he talks a lot of hot air, you know. Uh, <laughs> also what would the world would the u.s government care about that <laughs> is the main thing right that's right. that's the most far-fetched part so far right. oh, yeah. <laughs> the only reason businesses aren't polluting is because too many people are are farting too much I mean, yeah you know, <laughs> okay it doesn't matter yeah. right and this is where it it, it blows my mind and i, I had a, i had a moment because this was getting kind of like really ridiculous. The introduction of this, we can just kill six or ten old people who fart too much and just move in something else that also um, pollutes with no impact. Are we, I just feel, are we getting trolled? Is Sean Penn actually a genius and we're all just getting trolled? It's possible. Yeah. If that's the case, then that's genius. Right. I would change uh, my whole thought about this book. I have a feeling that's not going to happen, but... I don't think that's the case. This would be a boon to industry. On an atmospheric real estate basis, it would allow industrialists to freely occupy the terminated tenant's toxic absorption zone. In simple language, an air grab wherein air polluting companies could expand production with a zero-sum excarbation of environmental impact, a sort of sewer swap offered for the emissions of one in the expulsion of the other. No harm, no foul, no fogies. Fantastic. Again, he's still in the goddamn septic business. He's still taking out the trash, man. Yeah. That phrase, 
No Harm, No Foul, No Fogies is probably this episode title, but I'm afraid that we'll get... Copyright infringement. (laughs) (laughs) This whole thing is copyright infringement. No, no, ignore that. This is all (laughs) under fair use. Uh, I looked it up and... Don't sue us, please. We have no money. I don't have anything, please. True. We don't have... All of our money is going to our daughter right now, so (laughs) please don't sue us. An interesting note on this. Studies show that kangaroos expel no methane while providing lean and tasty meat. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, how do we know that these old people he's going to kill don't also provide lean and tasty meat? What is with his shit with cannibalism, man? (laughs) Cannibalism has come up like 18 times in the however many pages of this book Mm -hmm. we've read. I have no idea. (laughs) I I just, I don't understand. Good thing he likes it almost as much as farts. Yep. And as a result, in the prevailing portfolio of per capita killing, the flatulent and significantly unbranded elderly are under the Scottsdale program, were second only to the sweet meat kangaroo among biped land mammals being culled. That sentence is like, what? the way it's constructed yeah. is just completely I, confusing to me. I, I, I had to glaze over it. The part when I read it, and just now when you were reading it, I felt myself drifting. It's, yeah, I, I felt like I had like a ball of wax in my mouth. And as a result, in the prevailing portfolio of per capita killing, the flatulent and significantly unbranded elderly under the Scottsdale program were second only to sweet meat kangaroo among biped land mammals being called. This entire paragraph is one sentence. <laughs> is he saying that old people and the, the old, fl- specifically the flatulent old, and kangaroos both stand on two feet? So it's and they're both being killed quickly, right? And he'd ra- it'd rather kill the old people instead of the kangaroos. I think he's saying that there are so many kangaroos being killed for meat that. The old people were only second to that. Oh. So he killed so many old people, it was almost as many as kangaroos being killed. Either way, this is incredibly tone deaf given what's happening in Australia. I get Mm -hmm. that this book was written in like 2016, Mm -hmm. but regardless. Damn. I read it and I was like, oh God. He made it happen, Life of Heaven. Oh God. Yeah, honestly, this uh, further probably goes to the theory that he, Tom, Sean Penn is an actual time traveler, and this is part of that. Absolutely. Our mallet-wielding American male has never, despite some deliberate delving, satisfactorily distinguished between Scottsdale's direct government implementation status and that of a shadow enterprise. It is not clear to him whether the White House is, or is not, in the sodality of Scottsdale's reporting chain. I didn't have sodality, too. I don't know if you guys knew what that meant, but I didn't. Sodality? Yes. A confraternity or association, especially a Roman Catholic religious guild or brotherhood. That's what sodality means. Did you know that? No. no. Know that. Also, where does, how does it fit? I... This is another word that I think maybe he is not using correctly. Now, it is not clear whether the White House is or is not in the sodality of Scottsdale's reporting chain. I mean... I, I guess the confraternity of Scottsdale's reporting chain? I don't know. I, I guess it like makes 
grammatical sense. Yeah. But the self, I think, doesn't make a ton of sense in that context, especially considering that it generally refers to a Roman Catholic religious guild. Do we know what religion Sean Penn is? No. I'm sure an atheist. Or he's one of those kind of like white people Buddhists. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he like put this in to be like, got him. (laughs) (laughs) Just be like, the Pope? Never heard of him. (laughs) 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 Ever heard of the Dalai Lama? Yeah, dude. Oddly enough, since, well... Maybe that's too hot of a take. I won't say that. Oh. All I was going to say was it's fitting that he's bringing, he's mentioning Catholicism considering where this chapter goes in regards to. Oh. I mean, we are in Pennsylvania. So. Yeah. To be, yeah, it is very real (laughs) here. You got to cue the air horn for that one. Oh, 100%, dude. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it has to be a whispered air horn. Yeah. <laughs> My man hypes me up air horn ASMR. <laughs> His only substantive certainty is that practical patriotic tasks of triage are everyone's responsibility and that American taxpayer money is paid to career operatives in stacks of small denominations. Bi monthly, a Janet Jet, which Lauren, can you uh, pull up the citation for that? Yes. A J- Janet is a de facto name for a small fleet of government aircraft. Janet is said to be an acronym for just another non-existent terminal. White plane, red stringer, no tail number, drops in on random rem- remote runways of red states where Scottsdale's clandestine operatives each wearing an identity-shielding gorilla mask, have been called to greet it. As the air stairs meet the apes, a fetching functionary of the Confederacy descends, handing each a stack of singles, congenerous to mail calls in conflict zones. My number one question is, why are they getting paid in singles? How much are they getting paid if it's an entire stack of singles? Well, again... Scottsdale is a retirement community. I assume there's a lot of strip clubs. Boom. Maybe it's just practical for them. Yeah. Where others might dream activities such as Bob's, in Bob's living of them, he finds himself dreamless in sleep. Okay. I do have a note that. I love that he's just so, he's so unique. He's just like, nah, my life is insane. People could only dream of this life. And I'm like, if I were dreaming any up anything that's happened in this book so far, I would need much, much stronger psych meds because there's something <laughs> would be deeply wrong with me. Yeah. Sounds like he's just taking a bunch of Ambien. Yeah. That's why he ain't having any dreams, That's what this man. book is, maybe. Just one long it's just Ambien one long trip. Ambien trip, yeah. It isn't such a different experience, he thinks, than what the hordes who so alienate him encounter themselves in their daylight's consciousness. In his mission gap moments, he studies the skin on his arms. Is that me, I see? Whose arms are they? Uh, why? Why oh. is there more Oh, to sleep, perchance to dream. <laughs> in these moments of physical self-study bob feels foreign separate from his own body the brown black hair upon his outer forearm 
the smooth skin hairlessness of his inner, where whenever a stray might sprout, he bite it out. Mm. He bite out his own arm hair. What? How I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it Okay. The smooth skin hairlessness of his inner, where whenever a stray might sprout, he'd bite it out. What's what? what's his inner exactly? The uh, I assume his inner forearm. What does he not own tweezers? Bob. Maybe he's collecting them for Merkins. May oh, it's his Merkins business. Yeah, artisanal. <laughs> artisanal <laughs> Merkins. <laughs> Guys just don't get it. It's poetry. It's art. Yeah, you're right, dude. I I wouldn't understand. Says V. That means it's you know that means it's classy. Right. That means it's Shakespearean. Yeah. Bob rarely receives callers, though once in a very long while might someone invade Bob's solitude. Why would you want to? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Why? Why? You know, this dude's like his house has got to be insane in the membrane. I mean, we know from the from the fucking prelude that he's putting weird shit in front of his house. Yeah, isn't he wrapping his house in like chicken wire or something? He's putting he weird sides out for there. Yeah. Also, it's covering dog shit out front. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And possibly human shit from Helen Mayo. It doesn't seem like a very inviting spot. No, not at all. Typically, these instances are self-regulated to afternoons and sunny weather. Perhaps Bob's house, despite its common single-leveled smallness, presents itself as an oddity, that's for fucking sure, (laughs) or as, in some ways, a fright to anyone who is not diligently disposed to a sunny state of mind. Oh, so it's your fault. <laughs> you just don't get my house. Yeah. You're just not, yeah, you're, you, uh, you're not happy enough to mm-hmm. understand. So he is somebody that, and maybe all of, some of us have maybe experienced this before. I sure did growing up, is there's always like that one person in your neighborhood, that one house that they're like, yeah, don't go over there because everybody kind of knows they're, creepy they're a little Definitely. uh little yeah. biden biden-esque when it comes to young people and uh and then it c- turns out you know you could become an adult and you find out much later on that oh god that was true and actually happening and why weren't people more upset about it that's bob honey that's his house he's the guy in that neighborhood it's like maybe yeah, that's I don't go why that all one. of sean penn's like interns run away that's true because his house is like this too i don't even want to dare to imagine what those interns go through <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe he has them he has them actually bite out his stray hairs. I don't even want to think about what Sean Penn's Starbucks order might be. Uh, okay. As of that's uh, tra- bringing back memories, traumatic memories. <laughs> when a knock comes at the door, it almost always comes timidly. It is late afternoon on just such a day following just such a knock when Bob first opens the door to a gruesome burger meat grind of a face so ravaged by its history of adolescent acne that its pits and protrusions catch sharp shadows where horizontal line sneaks below his hat's brim. Damn, that's a... He's really calling out this guy's acne scars. Yeah, Jesus, like, what is Bob Honey, like, a fucking makeup influencer that he's, like, calling, he's, like, trying to teach this dude about his, like, you know, eight-step skincare routine or some shit? Yeah, yeah, it's, again, it's funny, because, like, you know, Bob Honey could probably be a pretty good Instagram influencer. He's got, you know, given, without his, you know, his aversion to using anything like Instagram, but... 
you know, gets up. He does his whole morning skincare routine, puts it on there for all of us to do. He starts hawking products because he gets Big sponsored. Eggs dipped in bacon grease or whatever he was doing. He, he puts <laughs> on one, one, puts his pants on one leg at a time. The man appears roughly Bob's age, if not a few years his senior. The two of them share blank stares for several seconds of silence. Strangers on pause, yet as if awaiting the tins, tuning forks, and violet rays of Tesla's coil. Might this, their meeting on this day, be that resonant transformer? Lauren, do you want to look at the citation? Yes. Inductor of coupling or magnetic phrase synchronous coupling. The most basic resonant inductive coupling consists of one drive coil on the primary side and one resonant circuit on the secondary side. Parallel resonant frequency. He put it, refused to put it in because it doesn't add anything, right? Like he could have just yeah. said transformer and yep. like, generally no. But he's like, oh, I actually looked this up. So now I got to put it in. <laughs> Would you be surprised to know that Sean Penn probably doesn't have the best priorities? And um, he... In the last station, where here's all this interesting shit that we would love to know more about, because at least it would be funny, probably, or disturbing, but we don't get any of that. Instead, you know, he gives a citation on some type of fruit, um, and in this one, he tells us how Transformers work, apparently. Right, with just like a physics 101 explanation. Mm-hmm. Allow me to introduce myself. Spurly Cotier. You're Bob Honey? Bob nods. I knew by your address, Spurley says. Bob nods again. May I come in? asks Spurley. Bob nods a third time, and then, in an impulse almost alien to his personal history, he allows the portly stranger into his home, shyly gesturing him into the small Being a taxi driver in New York City. Might have something there. I'll tell you something right now. I know you're playing with me. No, I'm trying to and be I honest. I'm just trying to protect because I know. And let me tell you something. This country boy right here is not of really intimidating. I'll follow you home tonight. <laughs> I'll knock you the fuck out right in your chair. Real interested in the uh, work you've been doing down in, in Haiti. And tell us a little bit about that. Well, after is the, there a Six Flags down there? There's not, no. Um, okay, we can We're recording now. All right. <clears throat> Let me just take a little drink of this beer. <laughs> make all make the reading of this that much easier. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for your service, Lauren. <laughs> Cultier takes up the table and chair, and Bob sits centered on the couch. French? Bob asks. American, says Cultier. What do you do, Bob? Bob ponders, puzzled, then just stuff. Yeah, he said, he said it. He said it. He said it. Comment too. Uh, my note is just he said it. <laughs> what do you do, Mister Cult EA? I'm an investigative journalist, Bob. When Bob chuckles, it is a muted guttural guffaw, audible though never intended so. Spurley asks, "Do you think that's funny?" Bob shakes his head. Then, so you ask people questions? Yes, Bob. And they give you answers. Sometimes they do, Bob. Do you believe their answers? <laughs> Sometimes I do, Bob. I'm sorry. Just like this, <laughs> this dialogue, it's it's as if he like watched Abbott and Costello's Who's On First <laughs> and then was like, I'm going to just write some dialogue that's similar to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
It's not natural sounding. Not no. at all. It's like a Samuel Beckett play, no. man. <laughs> it's like I'm watching fucking Waiting for Godot. Oh, God. It really is. Not me, Bob says. I don't believe anybody's answers. <laughs> uh yeah we know bob we can tell we can tell we know you you have a lincoln park cd in the back of your car all right we get it (laughs) Uh, can i believe oh i'm sorry greg what were you saying i was just saying rip in peace to to chester yeah that's all i believe yours bob no sir i don't know if i ever really tell the truth much i wonder sometimes if truth might be more habit than virtue Spurly, uh, the practice of honesty has a gray hue, which I hated. I mean, that's nonsense. The practice I think of that honesty- was a, a MySpace uh, away message I had at one point in 2002. <laughs> yeah. This one you tried to like AOL instant message me in 2004 and I wasn't there. That's what we're coming Exactly. 100%. Absolutely. It was definitely on my MySpace. It's like playing Evanescence, My Immortal in the background. <laughs> you go onto my if MySpace. I was AFA, that's what you'd see. Yeah. If you go onto my MySpace page, yeah, uh, wake me up as that starts auto playing and there's so much dumb, like, bullshit on there that it crashes your computer every single time. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, my MySpace was such a fucking shit show. I think most of the time I had a shoot you song playing. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. That's the kind of an insufferable, like, weird hipster I was. I love it. <clears throat> Why do you ask questions, Mr. Cultier? Good question, Bob. It's a heck of a good question indeed. I'm glad you asked me that question. How many times can he say the word question? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, again, he's like forgetting the sentence he wrote right before. Yeah, I was saying I would love to do a word count on on this, and which since I do have it as PDF, I might do that to see how many times he says, "Well, the name Bob is used right, like in this way." Uh, question and Merkins, because I I feel like that's also it's going to keep coming back. I agree. Yeah, but if you search it now, you're going to know how many times it comes back. Yeah, we can't we can't approach all that until the end. True. Okay. Well, uh, we'll wait till the end to do that. That'll be that'll be the postmortem on this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and followed by my own postmortem because I will have died or killed okay. myself. <laughs> <laughs> right, or we get uh or we get taken out by a CIA, CIA handler. The Hollywood the police. Yeah. <laughs> They're all coming <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and try to answer it, Bob. Your neighbors, I noticed on the sheriff's blotter, have made several, how can I say, interesting inquiries of you to the local sheriff's office over these many years. Bob nods almost imperceptibly. Are you aware of that? asked Spurley. Bob's toolbox never included feigned puzzlement. The optics are suspicious, he offers. Hmm, yeah. I have noticed departmental department patrols showing as they pass my house. You got it, Bob, said Spurly. That's what it is. Your word. Optics. This is so... The dialogue. It's just not... This reminds me of when somebody takes this, like, I put uh, every episode of Friends into an AI bot, and this <laughs> yeah. is the script it wrote. Like, right. That's this. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like fucking who's on first. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds exactly like that shit. It's like this yeah. call and response that's just nonsense, you know? Mr. Cultier, why do you pronounce your name Cultier if you're American? Oh, get it? Society. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. 
<laughs> society. Oh, can we also point out how he keeps spelling cultier? He spells it C-U-L-T and then the E and then an A. It's like, what What? what are, you, what are you trying to do there, bud? Like, okay, we get it. Yeah. It, that's how you say it. <laughs> how would you have me pronounce it, Bob? Blushing. Bob says, it's none of my business, sir. Frankly, I thought the whole blushing thing was a little odd. Very. Seemed out of character. Right. Like he was like, you know, uh, you know kind of like coy or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Bob's not a person I would consider to who, who's ever blushed. Let me ask you, Bob. Would you be amenable to my visiting again? And please call me Spurly. Bob thinks long and hard. Something seemingly ancient looking out and may testify to a turning point in his socially exiled existence. So he has a heart on. <laughs> he wants to have sex with Spurly. Is that Does what he, he means by coming back again? They're like going to go on a date? Oh shit, maybe. And that's why he's blushing because he's actually attracted to him. Right, I, did, I put that down in my notes. I was like, maybe he's got a crush on this guy. Yeah. He's also thinking long and hard. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a beautiful moment. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is the most n- not disturbed I've been reading this book. <laughs> This is a meat cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One small thing leads to another. The water, the plants, the photosynthesis, and the eventuality of bloom. In punctuated equilibrium, which has a footnote, biological theory proposing that one species appear in fossil record, that once species appear in fossil record, they will become stable with little evolutionary change. Stasis. That's not what it means at all. Punctuated <laughs> equilibrium? <laughs> popularized popularized by Stephen Jay Gould and it's an important thing of evolution but it's that like evolution isn't stasis but then there's major changes not like not like what he's saying it's like what he's saying is that once they once they don't change right yeah things stay sell for a while what he's saying is that it's not what Stephen Jay Gould's point is that it wasn't like a constant rate you know there's there's jumps stops and and starts yeah. yeah exactly Bob begins to recognize the punctuated equilibrium being visited upon him and will not allow a catastrophic systems failure. Spurly, it seems, might be the right vessel at the right time, akin to the geological philosophy that one's search for ores and fuels serves as a means to a practical end. Spurly Cultier may have materialized as a facilitator to Bob's rebirth of being, voluntary value added to algorithms of the new norm. What that means. Voluntary value added to algorithm algorithms of the new norm. That's nonsense, right? Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, materialism. Yep, nope, no idea. Like, I get what he means by this paragraph, which is that, like, Spurtier, like, Spurly Caltier might, you know, add something to his life, might be, you know, might push him in the right direction or... or you know, yeah. put him on the right path. But. I just, I also love how Sean Penn is trying to keep a little bit of consistency in the sense that he's like, shit, I gotta put some geology stuff in here. <laughs> <laughs> Bob has a master's in geology. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta add some just random ass <laughs> equilibrium <laughs> and something about the fossil record just to be <sighs> consistent, you know? Okay, as we say, at least he's trying. At least he's trying to be consistent sometimes, right? But it always seems like a he got caught. 
<laughs> he caught himself being like, oh, shit. I, right. I forgot. I forgot this is a part of his character. He came out of a fugue state yeah. and somehow had to bring it all back together. Voluntary value added to the algorithms of the new norm. Bob will initially seek to adapt. Perhaps we could meet, a, meet out, suggests Spurley. McDonald's might be a good location on Hedgepoint Road. No arches for Bob. <laughs> just, he sounds like a fucking, it's just, I'm sorry. <laughs> no arches for Bob. He sounds like he's a robot, and he's, because when he says like this, the whole, uh, Bob will initially seek to adapt, and then no arches for Bob. <laughs> he sounds like he's an algorithm himself, and that's, and, oh, God. Goes from really trying to sound intelligent to just th- throwing that to the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, says Spurley, rising from his chair. Shall we say Wednesday, 4 p.m.? I'm sometimes not here, Bob says in an effort at fair warning. Yes, well, we'll talk about that, Spurley replies as he moves to the door. I'll be by Wednesday at 4, and if you're here, we can talk a bit more. Bob nods but never rises from the couch. Spurley lets himself out, and Bob watches through the picture window as Spurley takes note of the Pontiac in the driveway, then drives away in a Prius. The silent type. For the next several hours, Bob will not move a muscle, but he can feel an unusual pounding in his heart and a slight shortening of breath. You know what this is? You guys are going to hate me for this comment. You know what this is really bringing to mind for me? A scanner darkly. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that movie, though. When the cop comes to visit them and they're all, like, fucking twigging out. Oh, God. And, like, melting into the couch and shit. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. Except, in this circumstance, I feel it's because he's shook. Because he's realizing that he wants to he wants to bone Spurley. Sprung. He does. Yeah, he, you know, he's got a thing for that pockmarked face. <laughs> hey, he's booed up now, man. <laughs> he's on the couch where Bob feels safest, almost embraced. And in his stillness there on that day and into the evening return his visions of Annie. Ah, that girl. The shining young face. Bob has always experienced life as an aspiration to dullness with dignity, absent as much deceit as possible. He has no tolerance for advertising. Annie had been that one brief break in the weather where his dullness dazzled a dame. If Annie advertises, Bob thinks, it is without falseness. Or, at least, less falseness than others. And after all, Bob is not prone to question himself in that single matter of the heart that Annie reflected, the waking rarity that Annie had become to him. Bench, one day during Bob's surveillance of elderly lawn bowlers. Hello, offered a velvet voice. One look at her standing above him in that park, and Bob felt a relaxing of his joints. She may have been young. She may have even been too young. Uh, but Bob- uh, yeah, Epstein alert. Epstein yeah. alert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the pedo shit starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Con- content warning for the rest of this chapter. Yeah, yeah, we have one at the beginning, but this is just a little extra one because, you know what? Some stupid me didn't think to add pedophilia to the list of things that this book would be getting into, but you know what, Sean Penn, you proved me wrong, buddy. She may have even been too young, but Bob never bothered himself with those distinctions. You don't, you don't bother yourself with the distinction that this person is a child? 
Right. He's just straight up telling us that Bob is a pedophile. Yeah. Which leads me, again, and if we're sticking with the theory that Bob is just an extension and a perhaps hyperbolic extension of Sean Penn, what does this say? Sean Penn, are you on the flight logs? I need to know. He's just, like, hanging out in the park, like, across the street from the fucking jungle gym or some shit. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Yeah. And for a 50-year-old who started dating a 20, the early 20, somebody in their early 20s, it's a little too close for comfort for him, too. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annie had alopecia and wore an astonishing Bob could barely feel it false with his hands and wouldn't worry if he could. Simply the fact that her baldness was covered in blonde and not red made him love her head. Effervescence lived in her every cellular expression, and she had spizzerinctum despair. I hate that, I hate that, I hate but, that. What is spizzerinctum? Because I tried to look it up and I couldn't find anything. It means I like Googled vim. It. Yeah, v- a vim energy or ambition. The will to succeed. Okay. Can I just well, I'm losing say, my will to live. Um, this shit about Annie's alopecia, it's like, yeah. a, it, and, and like, you know, we'll get further into it. And again, content warning, but the whole, their whole sexual relationship and all that shit. It's just like a Harmony Corinne-esque nightmare. <laughs> but it's like, it's like the opposite of Arthur. Yeah. It's just Harmony Corinne trash. Yeah. You now, know? it struck me as a way to discuss hairlessness. Without really be like, you know, well, just like skirting the issue of pedophilia, mm-hmm. you know, if you're like, oh, we could talk about how her head is bald, but you know, she has no hair anywhere and yeah. she's possibly too young. He's also kind of, he kind of harps on the hairlessness thing too a lot because remember he was, when he uh, would get one on yeah. his inner arm, he would bite it out, which is right. just okay. Right. He sat and talked. Or rather, she did. They had a brief love affair, or rather, he did. What a magical vagina, Bob thought after exploring it for hours. <sighs> I see. That's where I had a, I had a visceral reaction. I, I was actually reading this, the last bit of this, when when Charlotte got here earlier, and I wanted to vomit. It made me feel ill. Like I don't want to think about Sean Penn or Bob doing anything to anyone's vagina ever. Nauseating. I think anyone's like had sex with someone and thought to themselves, hmm, what a magical vagina. Right. <laughs> if someone, if, if I, hmm, someone's, if I had a vagina and someone said it was magical, I would be like, well, one, I would have just completely regret that. That would be regret right there that I would have had sex with that person. But two, that's fucking nerd, dude. That's nerd shit. <laughs> and here it is again hairless but magical. I hate it. I hate that he's harping on that. It makes me really uncomfortable. Bob had never considered himself an aesthete, but he did look long and hard for things that might disturb him. Though Annie was by any man's measure an exquisite aquiline Sheila. It's like, what are we in Australia again? Is this like, or is that a a different reference that I don't understand? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like, that is what he's meaning, right? Like, she's a Sheila. Yeah, it's just like a mix of like, but like throwing the aquiline in there first. It's just like right. a just a mix of stuff. Also, but like kind of belying, I would say the like undergirding misogyny of it. You know, he starts off with like she doesn't falsely advertise herself, unlike women, right? Right. And like, saying, like 
you know, like describing her, like looking like beak like or whatever. I guess we should probably call out Aqualine, you know, like with her like hook nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, it goes back to his like description of his like quote unquote bitch ex wife, uh. right? Like she's the opposite of this description and i mean she's constantly got a booger flittering in her (laughs) and i mean the key difference between her and annie is that annie is essentially a child Mm -hmm. and he's like describing Mm -hmm. her as this like you know angelic hairless you know virginal figure while his just like bitch ex-wife is like he's mad at her because she's like jacking off every once in a while i think so I mean, again, it's just kind of speaking to the fact that his discomfort with with adult women, right, is is in the background of this description. Yeah, Bob had never considered himself an athlete, but he did look long and hard for things that might disturb him. Though Annie was by any man's measure an exquisite aquiline Sheila, it was in the absence of disturbance that beauty was defined for Bob. It had begun that very day after strolling to his house from the park. They sat silently on his comfort couch, a look between them. Off came the clothing and on came the effortless ease of communication where vagaries landed literally and silences as voluminous volumes. Never one for psychosexual infantilism or pedophilic fantasy. After their sex, he had said, good vagina, maybe more Vietnam. More Vietnam? You're looking for some jungle? Bob nodded. Okay, she said. I'll put on my little Merkin piece next oh, time. Oh my god, Andrew, you Merkins, were right. Merkins, you were Merkins. so right. And I fucking hate the fact that you were right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really... Also, interestingly enough, he says, never one for psychosexual infantilism or pedophilic fantasy. It's a very much a situation of my never one for psychosexual infantilism or pedophilic fantasy shirt is getting people to ask questions that are already answered by that. I don't believe that, especially considering no. his obsession with the younger girl in that earlier chapter that was with the cowboy. Right. It's like, clearly he does have a pedophilic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Up a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a shield. He said he didn't have it, so he doesn't. He doth protest too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, said Bob. As you were, has a little footnote. Standard military command literally meaning return to your previous posture. I, of, of all the fucking footnotes, this is yeah. by far the one that annoys me the most. <laughs> it is. It's like, yes, we all understand what as you were meant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are you into tantric sex, Bob, honey? Too much reading, said the slow, so slotted sugar. Agreed, said Annie. And so went their discussion and his continued examination of her body. And so went on and off the romance for a brief few months until inevitably off she went and forever away, but not without the occasional text message from her travels or perhaps one image from a select telephonic photo diary. 15 pictures to date. The most recent, an unvarnished snap of a 12-inch and girthy black dildo, which appeared to have been discarded on a city sidewalk beside a casino poker chip and some publicly planted greenery. It came with a simple note. Greetings from Las Vegas. I'm with the girls. Because that's what women do. (laughs) 
I just, this is classic, like, an old fucking white dude being like, what do women do? What do young women do? Yeah. Let me think about it. Girls. Let me pull from all my lived experience and create a really believable character. Yeah. I can't count, I can't count on two hands the amount of times I've taken a picture of a girthy black dildo and sent it to a man saying, I'm with the girls, you know? Can you count on one hand? I mean, there's just too many to keep track of. <laughs> Young woman, too. It's like she banged this old dude and then left him in the dust and she's still texting him. Like, no. Maybe yeah. she just feels bad for him. Up had found fundamentally foreknowledged form in the, in the way Annie giggled at his apparent brooding and solitude. In her generation's world... Adderall and advertisers' chickens had come home to roost. Here we go. Yes. Here's that. Strap here's that on your boomer helmet, folks. Bread and butter, pickle ass, boomer ass. Yep. Fuck the millennials. <laughs> my <shit>. generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Younger generation is over medicated. Yeah, in my day, you just drank a lot, beat your wife, <laughs> and then died of an easily preventable disease. Yeah, and it died of fucking cirrhosis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a man, like a real man. (laughs) And you didn't notice if your kids needed medication because you were too busy, drunk, and ignoring them. Exactly. (laughs) Whipping them with a belt. Yep. Bob felt from feline millennials the transmissions of Instagrams blitzingly blaring from all directions. The sensation of Roman arrows careening chaotically within his skull. The tracer round ammunition of human selves anonymously exposed. No one spoke to anyone, and when they did, it was more about those anthropomorphic arrows than it was about the natural natural era of organically human traverse. That air, that life, again, so unceremoniously sidelined by a generation bent to uninvent the wheel of love and so willfully inattentive to control computations or surveillance. An age group so lost to letters and steeped in transactional sex, it seemed of them that they distinguished little between an active orgasm and an acted one. So quickly might Annie come that he'd try thinking of chocolate bananas, cotton candy, and chugging trains to ward off consciousness of her detachment, and perhaps to delay his own ejaculation in hopes of making hers definitively real and defiantly human. Yet, to no avail. Sounds like he's just really bad in bed. Yeah, he's never, Sean, I mean, sorry, Bob Honey has never made a woman come before. That is Kind of sounds like he's faking it to get it over with. Yeah. What also goes back to the main thing, right? It's like women are false, false advertising. Yeah, they're just like fake, fake as shit, you know? Yeah, they're just like perfuming their crevices. Yeah. Like, thank God Bob Honey and Sean Penn don't use the computer or the internet because, you know, here, God forbid he would ever actually discover, like, 4chan or any of the incel uh, websites. Right. Bob Honey would be a red pillar for sure. Oh, yeah. It's very clear to me from this paragraph that Sean Penn has absolutely no idea how the internet works. No. And it's also like old people are terrible because they're flatulent and unbranded. And young people are terrible because they can't come. (laughs) Is he Generation X? No, No, he's a boomer. Yeah, he's a younger boomer, but yeah. 1945 to 1965 is boomers. Yeah. 
Whenever he felt these collisions of incubus and succubus, he punched his way out of the pro proletariat with the purposeful inputting of covert codes, thereby drawing distraction through Scottsdale deployments, dodging the ambush of innocent astray, and evading the Viscount Vogue of Viagratic assaults on virtual vaginas, or worse, falling passively into prosaic pastimes. Instead, he would quake the elderly in all corners. Pop goes the weasel. Bob's mallet would speak. He knew his destiny's turn. So Bob, in this situation, he's like, I'm too horny. I got to go kill some old people. Is that yeah, I'm too horny and I don't know how to use dating apps. Yeah. So now I need to go kill <laughs> some old people. Too young lover has left and yeah. now all I have left is murder. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> she had taught him well with her smile, cerulean eyes, and the thoughts she thought of him when she thought them. Ah, that girl and the glistening between her legs, schooling him in the forward movement of herself and her contemporaries. A cultural momentum undeniable as gravity, as irrefutable as the generational inversion of human expertise she so embodied. In Bob's defiance, he found himself against advertisement, awaiting things that had already passed, leaving him to face that harshest prospect of all, that he must give up on the only thing he really wanted. He hungered to tell her all his secrets, but became one of them instead. He knew a likely pipe dream better than most. She had never let him on, and sure enough, his maturity of Tellurian years alone had given him a huge head start in his feelings for her, and he never expected her to catch up on her own. With any encouragement, he'd have backtracked until he had her hand in his, had a present hand in, in his, had a present hand in his past. He imagined that often, being encouraged her hand in his, as the ever-present image of her knowing deep blues beckoning softly before him. He had dropped her at departures that last time, when the aircraft engines revved, wheels left ground, and his world's atmosphere became host to a new variant of air, absent, absent the sweetness of her breath. Yet mercifully, also absent those arrows of post-adolescence careening through lower altitudes. He takes comfort that her smile, like heaven's shield, will keep her safe, warm, and wild. Wild time, baby. Woo! So, as a millennial, I have to say, Sean Penn is the voice of our generation. <laughs> yep. Yep, he's got it all right. He is the Allen Ginsberg of our time. <laughs> yeah, he knows perfectly how to write women. He knows perfectly what we go through and what we experience and how our perceptions of the world. So, right. um, 100%. Mm -hmm. Quite so. honestly, it seems like Annie got the good deal out of this. Yeah. Me. He just, like, drops her off for her flight, and she's just like, fucking see ya, man. Yeah. Thanks for the ride. All right. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. It's oh. just her free Uber. Mm, well. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, concludes Station 4. It was an icky chapter. Really gross. And you know what? Yeah. It's not looking promising because the next chapter station, its name is uh, Big Cock. So, <laughs> so it's, it's all uphill from here. Uh -huh. <laughs> Things are going to get better. It's going to get easier to read. 
I'm not going to have to extend the trigger warning again. <laughs> yeah, looks like we solved it. We did. Yep. This is the end of the cipher, folks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to more, you know, more of our conspiracies getting delved into and maybe not so much of the incredibly disturbing content. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 this was just, this was a particularly bad chapter. Yeah. And just the like, ending of it anyway. and, re- and writing wise, writing style too. This is the first time we've ever had any real like dialogue. Uh, bad. If you can call it that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's if right. If you can you know, call it dialogue. I writing class in college and I understand how difficult it is to write um natural sounding dialogue because i wasn't very good at it myself but this is about as bad as it gets yeah absolutely but also lauren you didn't release a book where you uh did pedophilia on a on a girl with alopecia so right and the thing is like you know often in literature i feel like it's easier to mimic realistic dialogue it's less difficult than something that's supposed to be you know actually spoken and performed on screen in this case he fucks that up too yeah (laughs) all right let's wrap it up here and all right till station five yeah we'll come back for better for worse go through we'll see you guys later we're strapped into this roller coaster (laughs) whether we like it or not and this is all for you the listener all 25 of you. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.